Today's customers want retailers to know them personally and will gravitate towards those retailers that provide the most personalized experience and targeted promotions, which cater to their individual desires, preferences, and values. Healthy relationships are built on effective, mutually beneficial communication and ultimately trust. As the communication and trust grows, the depth and breadth of the knowledge, the personal information shared expands. Welcome to the Future of Consumer and Retail podcast by SAP. I'm Matt Gardner, here with my colleagues David Gruen and Randy Evans, all of us part of SAP's retail advisory practice. In today's episode, we're discussing the critical importance of establishing and maintaining trust with retail consumers. As this is the third episode in the Customer Channel series, let's jump straight into the topic. David, can you tell us why it's important that retailers place special emphasis on this as a business practice with every customer? We talked previously and we'll be talking throughout the series about one of the most important trends in retail today, and that's the ability to create hyper-personalized customer experiences and promotions for each customer. I know it sounds like an insurmountable task in today's global digital retail landscape, but ironically, that's how retailers became successful and grew lifetime customer value 100 years ago. Back then, the scale of retail was such that it was possible to conduct business that way, and it was a great business model. Retail proprietors saw their customers frequently and in person and established personal relationships with them. They even watched their kids grow up, knew the events that were going on in their lives, and then created personalized experiences and promotions that added real value to their customers' lives because, well, they knew them personally and could relate to them. And those relationships were passed on for generations. I can see how that was possible 100 years ago, even 50 years ago. And when done right, the return on lifetime customer value makes absolute sense. Trying to replicate that business model in today's retail landscape seems impossible, honestly. How would a retailer provide that level of personalization today? Randy, would love to hear your thoughts on this. The key driver to that old school business model was knowledge of the customer. Those retailers back then knew those folks personally. That store manager, he saw them come in multiple times a week. Not only did he know that they were shopping, but he knew the size of their basket. He knew the content in their basket. And as David mentioned, there was a personal relationship. It was constant and it created that intimacy between the customer. When they went in the store, they became aware of there's Joe, the store manager, because Joe acknowledged them and there's this relationship that builds. I know my career as a store manager, when I went to a new store, that was the first thing I attempted to do was find the good customers and make sure that I know who they are. And and I could also know when they didn't show up. So it's a big deal. The secret to that successful relationship, what we need to do is communication. Healthy relationships are built on effective, mutually beneficial communication and ultimately trust. As the communication and trust grows, The depth and breadth of the knowledge, the personal information shared expands. You begin to be willing to say more about, you know, it's not just about I need some chips and dip. It's about I'm having a party. And so the more the retailer knows or knew about their customers, then the better equipped they would be to say, hey, we are having a party. We got a great price on watermelon or whatever it is, right? So you're not only just 
acknowledging what the customer's already looking for, but you're able to provide value to their experience, which then leads them to the return visit because they feel comfortable. The better equipped that those retailers were to be relevant and personal, in today's moniker, we would call it a personalized offer, and you know, drop into, hey, what else do you need? They more likely that customer would be to not just appreciate, but provide incredible service and additional value for their families. I totally agree, Randy. I think you nailed it. Establishing trust with customers was essential back then. And you know what? It's still essential today. I mean, some things never change. Customers today, I mean, think about it. They have more options and avenues to purchase products than probably any time in history. They're in complete control of the shopping experience, and they know it. Retailers today not only have to be relevant to their customers, but they also must cater to their individual needs while adding value to their lives. Today's customers want retailers to know them personally and will gravitate towards those retailers that provide the most personalized experience and targeted promotions, which cater to their individual desires, preferences, and values. My young daughter, who's 24 and a Gen Zer, won't shop at certain retailers unless they support things like sustainability and upcycling. When the values bond or there's a connection there built around trust, I think all generations in most cases are willing to create intimate relationships with retailers today and share priceless information, but it's got to be based on that foundation of trust. Yeah, that was just having me think on how I shop. And I have noticed in recent years that I've moved away from the marketplaces, you know, the mass market retailers, even online, in some categories like food supplements or personal care, in large part because I found I can't trust the third party sellers in a lot of cases. Like I have to actually check, I mean, who is the seller of this item? Because if it's not the retailer that's owning the marketplace, I don't have trust there. And it's fascinating in those cases with marketplaces too, that there is this gray area because it's a product page representing either the retailer themselves or a marketplace seller. In a lot of cases that can confuse customers or create trust where it's not earned. And so what you're saying makes complete sense to me. And I can really see why retailers would want to pursue that. I guess we're now in a world, though, just thinking of that mass market potential of truly faceless anonymity, like avatar shoppers, data breaches, and even privacy regulations, where it's just a big pool of users that are all kind of grouped together. How does a retailer establish trust and build upon it at today's scale with their customers? It's a great question. And when you think about it, anything that adds value to your life in most cases, you're going to instinctively want to trust it because, you know, we all like value in our lives. And so, as I mentioned, I think the desire is already there and growing. But what we see is that the customer's motivation to trust a retailer and build a relationship is really built around three core components. The first would be transparency. I need to know what data is being collected about me. I need to know how it's being collected and how it's being used. And these policies need to be readily accessible to me. I mean, these 14-page end-user licensing agreements, that's not going to cut it. How many times do you guys actually read that thing when you're loading a piece of software? You know, I, I never look at it, and Lord knows what's in there. 
But it's going to be critical because if I want the value and I'm willing to share more information with you to extend that level of value, I'm going to want to know, is it okay to be sharing that information? So I got to have transparency. The second is going to be control. I need to know that I have complete control over all the data that a retailer has about me. And by control, I mean the ability to add, modify, and delete it at any time. And by delete it, I mean like it's physically gone, not just invisible from my profile. I also want confidence that the retailer will control this data by protecting it from data breaches, like you mentioned, selling it without permission, or abusing it within the relationship. And I think the third thing, and this is probably the most important thing, the third thing is value. The customer must perceive that there is real value for them in sharing more intimate information with a retailer. Such things like, how does this action enrich my life? How does it add convenience or how does it strengthen this relationship and take that level of value to the next level? You also mentioned privacy regulations, Matt. We should spend a little bit of time on that because it's becoming more of the conversation. While gathering and creating relationships and using customer data in the context of this is the most important focus of it, it's also a growing trend today to find government regulation coming to bear, where the governments step in and proactively ask corporations to provide consent to require, not optional, but to require preference management. As the customer shares more and more of their personal private data, it's becoming obvious that regulations are needed to ensure that corporations don't abuse that privilege or don't go to a place with the data that the customer doesn't want them to. And so when you think about Europe, you know, the GDPR, General Data Protection Regulations, were the first kind of view into how that could have an effect on how corporations deal with this data. I live in California. It's not quite GDPR here, but there are regulations here that don't exist anywhere else in the country that require entities that are going to have my data give me a chance to participate in sharing of that information or not so it is a growing piece of the of the puzzle and if you you know you think about how do you do this sap offers ways to ensure that you're able to stay within the regulations you know we attempt to anticipate those regulations but the whole point of it is as you start to look about moving towards this concept you also have to consider, what should I do and what do I have to do? Those are key elements to the way you work through this process. Yeah, you know, that's a great point, Randy, and I'm glad you expanded upon that. Because the more I think about it, these types of solutions, I think SAP, we have customer identity and access management and enterprise consent and preference management, which it can be invaluable to retailers. But these solutions have numerous other benefits for retailers, which might not be readily apparent, such as the ability to manage and streamline direct engagement with customers across an expanding plethora of digital touch points. I mean, those are growing constantly. The ability to manage and enhance new customer onboarding that motivates customers to convert from being that faceless avatar that Matt mentioned to a loyal customer. And that's crucial. That's a huge goal for retailers is let's get these faceless people to ultimately have that kind of relationship. And then there's the ability to protect customer accounts from partner solution integrations as their businesses grow. I mean, 
you're in business to grow. And these days, digital information and an amazingly expanding pool of customer data that's really kind of the linchpin of personalization is going to require additional systems be added constantly. And you're going to need to protect your customers' accounts from these solution integrations that a lot of times you wouldn't even think about. Yeah, it makes me think of the things that have been going on around app tracking transparency and the advertiser ID that's been tracking people across various websites and businesses and how some of the solutions that retailers are exploring are teaming up with businesses that are not in the exact same category. They're getting these smaller pools of data shared across companies. I'm really curious to see how they offer privacy controls in relationship to that. Obviously, it's a new solution for better personalization. But again, as the theme of this episode has been, how does trust get integrated into these evolving landscapes while staying competitive, while finding that perfect balance? And so, David, Randy, this has been such an enlightening discussion. And I was a bit skeptical that it would be possible to build those relationships that we've had, you know, in the last 50, 100 years. But I can see that there's approaches to this, you know, and that there are ways to build trust with individual customers. And even seeing, again, in thinking on my own shopping, that I've selected certain companies for particular purposes because I trust them, because I do feel like what I'm getting from them is valuable enough to me. So all of that in mind, where do retailers go from there? How do you harness that trust to create the hyper-personalized customer experiences? Well, that's a great segue, Matt. And that's actually the topic of our next episode in the series, which will go into more depth on how to create and harness hyper-personalized customer experiences and promotions. Trust is the key that unlocks the door to what the retailer is really after, which is getting more personal, more intimate information from a customer, because that's what's going to enable them ultimately to achieve their ultimate destination, which is the ability to create these hyper-personalized customer experiences. So trust is critical. And remember, trust is something that's really hard to earn and extremely easy to blow. So that's why we called this out in its own session is retailers need to laser focus on the fact that trust is something that you constantly have to earn. And that's better done through actions than words. In the next episode on hyper-personalized customer experiences and promotions, we're really going to peel back this onion on, okay, now that I've got the trust, what do I do? And that's what we're going to deep dive into in episode four. Yeah, thank you, David. And thank you, Randy. Really excited to explore this in the next episode. Yeah, thank you, Matt. I really enjoyed this conversation and it's a critical door opener to what I think is one of the most important episodes, which will be episode four. Yeah, and I'll second that. It's been really interesting for me to start to dive into these kinds of concepts because it's different. It's new. It's things you haven't probably thought of before. So Great for the opportunity to dive into it. In this episode, we discussed the critical importance of establishing and maintaining trust with retail consumers. Check out the show notes for links to related resources and upcoming webinars. And ensure you don't miss the next episode in the Customer Channel series by subscribing to our podcast on your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to sharing again with you in the future.